For your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose. And welcome to episode number 376 of This Old Marketing for Friday, May 19th, 2023. And, well, you know, with me as always, my pal, my colleague, and the guy who has never reached his debt ceiling, Mr. Joe Polizzi. Yes. Not for a long time. It's all about the debt. I did. There was a time. There was a time. I told that story the other day to somebody uh, who asked me, um, did you know that Content Marketing Institute was going to be so successful? <laughs> I said, no, I was freaking out because right. I had all these bills and I had no yeah. money at all. And all I had was subscribers and I had no products. It was yeah terrible. But yes. But I hear I yeah. hear that the, the debt re- ceiling thing is coming to an end. Like it's going to be. I This is, this is what I've heard as well. Yes. Thank God we I mean, have Bitcoin. I mean, I have no idea the kind of deal is going to get. Yeah, thank God we have Bitcoin. <laughs> we need non-sovereign monetary policy. And anyways, whatever. But do we? But yes. But, but do we really? Yes, I do, think we do. do. We? Because okay. it's, look it. Okay. We've played this record before. Okay. It happens every time. Yes. They fight. It's like, oh, we're not, we can't increase. We can't spend. You have to lower spending, whatever. And then they get down to it. And they say, okay, you get this. I'll get this. We're going to increase at another $3 trillion, and we're going to be right back here in 18 months doing the same thing. Maybe less. Right. That's right. Yeah. So we're $31, yeah. $32 trillion in debt or something like that. So, which yeah. is fine if we're growing. I mean, it's not fine. It's sustainable if we're growing. And you can pay off the billions of dollars in interest on an ongoing basis. But this is not a financial show. Should I, I should probably stop talking. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not one that the econom, uh, at the economist level that we would need to be to sort out $32 trillion worth of debt. Um, no, I mean, so yeah, other than marketing, the fact, that, yeah, it's, the fact that we fight over marketing it. Marketing and media person related, that seems like a lot of money. That's a, yeah, it does seem like a lot, a lot of, of zeros. Yeah. You know, I. A trillion here and a trillion there. Pretty soon we're talking about real dough, yeah. How much is a trillion dollars if you stacked it in $100 bills? How high would it go? I'm going to guess to the moon. Would it go to the moon? Something like that. I, yeah, it, it would maybe go. Maybe not that high. Yeah, maybe not that it, high. I don't know. It'd be taller than my house. It would go it high. It'd be taller than your house. Yes, that's for, that's for sure. It's a lot of dollars. You would be Scrooge McDuck, like, bathing in it. You would, you know, you could jump back and forth in it and swim in it like uh, like Scrooge Some, McDuck. Something like that. So, anyways, how was your week? Did you do anything fun? Uh, my week was lovely. I, it was, I was catching up from uh, my last week being out of town and... Uh, you know, uh, doing all the things that I was doing at my retreat. Um, so it's been a lot of catch up on email, catch up on some deliverables, catch up on, uh, you know, what, what went on at my house while I was gone, all those things. So, but I feel I'm lovely and caught up. Are you refreshed? Uh, let me ask, let me ask you so, this. You go on this. Yes. I know you skipped yeah. a couple because of, of COVID, but you do this every year. Do you come back with an idea? Yeah. What changes? Robert Rose goes back into the house in his posh development and walks in the door 
what is different? Is the hair flow different? Is it what 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 yeah, what happens? The hair flow. What's what's the behavior change? Is there one? Okay. Well, I'm glad you asked that. Yes, there is. Okay. There actually is one. Um, one, I would say the and this is going to seem a little esoteric, but not well you understand this maybe better than anyone which is the head clearing aspect of it right just literally taking a week and not thinking about the daily grind is uh is a very head clearing exercise and you're forced to do it right you're for you know you you don't there's you know other than the tiny amounts of email and the and obviously recording last week's show i didn't think about my business and i didn't think about the, the you know I had no meetings to attend and and just that aspect alone of it was quite head clearing so there's that benefit the second is I do actually come back because it's not that I don't work on myself or I don't work on my business while uh, I'm out there but I restrict myself to big uh, things that either scare me or that I've been thinking about or and I use that time to really deepen my relationship with those ideas to see if they're worth pursuing or not. So a great example of that is what I'm coming back to, you know, as we add more AI oriented consulting to my little business. Well, how do I do that, right? You know, because everybody and their dog is offering AI consulting these days. I mean, you can't throw a rock and not hit somebody who's going to tell you exactly how to become uh, an well, AI, And even the dogs you know, can do it now. I mean, so... That's correct. That's, that's exactly. another issue. Even the dogs can now push... They can push buttons on ChatGPT just like the exactly. humans can. So the question I had for myself was how to build a business in a world filled with that much noise. And I came to some conclusions. I built a little framework. I sketched it out of my notepad. I sat there on the river and sort of thought some things out. I ran it by a couple of people and really came back refreshed with an idea of how I can actually do that. So there are some tangible ideas like that that I come back with and a couple of others that are probably not worth sharing at this point, but they you'll start to see them as things as the year progresses. But, but that's, but, but that's, yes, things do come back. They, they call it, interestingly enough, we've, we've come at the mastermind. We all call it re-entry, which is basically going back to the world uh, and how you re-enter your sort of day-to-day grind. And there is a thing to it. There's, you know, like Saturday and Sunday were weird for me because I was, getting back into the flow and I didn't really want to look at my email, but I did. And it was a, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a, you know, there's a, there's a transition there. Like, like you said, a hair flow as it were, um, that, uh, is really, is really worth paying attention to as you come back from something like that and you start getting into the, you know, getting into your flow again. It's sort of like, uh, what uh, Bill Gates talks about is think week, right? He, He goes into the cabin somewhere and, takes all these books with him, hardcover books, and that's all he does. He just reads and thinks, decompresses. And I think regarding the email, I don't, I've never done this. So I, I, don't, I think I would freak out a little bit, but that's my own problem. But I know a lot of people that have taken little sabbaticals for a weekend or for a week, they have their auto office on and it says, I will not see this email because when I come back, I'm deleting everything. So... You're going to have to send me another email. 
I've seen that as well. What do you yeah. feel? You there's, feel that's and a little bit too... Come on. Well, I think it's unfair. Yeah, no, I think it's unfair. And, and, if, and if I were in another kind of business, I could consider that. But given the business that I'm in, which is consulting people, that's an unfair burden to put on my either potential customer or existing customer. Like, that's just not... I don't think that's right. So I do monitor my my email... I don't necessarily answer them till I'm back and I might send a quick note. Like I'm you know the interesting thing is I've almost never set up an autoresponder. I don't think in in my 10 years of having my own consultancy I think the times that I've set up an autoresponder to email I could count on two fingers. I just don't do that because I typically feel like it's my job part of my job and my experience to monitor that and even if i manually go back to someone and say got it received i'm on vacation or i'm on my trip and you know expect an answer for this in two days i'm setting a contextual uh you know sort of expectation there and so that's uh, to me saying basically i'm not going to see this and i'm going to delete everything when i get back is just basically saying your message didn't matter that much to me yeah that's exactly what you're saying but it's still it's yeah. a, it's a thing the the right. best uh, the best time for me and I, I didn't say that I was never going to respond but it was Jan you remember because it was January of 2018 and I yeah, did electronics free January I did no social I wasn't yeah. on any computer device iPad iPhone for all of January and I said I will not see this message at all until February so right now coming back. And spending the two weeks plus that it took me to delete everything or whatever, but um, but it's not so bad once you get through the first week because everybody realizes it and they just stop emailing you because you you generally get emails from the same yeah that's same right kind of people so yep that's exactly but I want right. to do that, that again it's all that spam that builds up I want to I want to do that well I want to do that for two reasons one I just want to do that because I think emotionally and spiritually it's a good thing to do to sort of reset yourself to that and the second totally. thing is absolutely you know that i set the goal that you know on turning 50 i want to make sure that i write another novel before i'm 51 and for me to do that i have to create the space in my schedule to do that yep so it has to be five days yep. i need five days a week i have to set up some kind just like marathon trading you have to I, I I can't just do oh Monday I'm gonna write here and I maybe a Thursday or whatever. I have to set a schedule and I have to create some kind of a rhythm. And if I don't get into that rhythm It's a meeting, you set with yourself. Yeah. yeah I have to do that. So I actually was talking to yeah. my wife about that today. I'm like, Can I can I get a you know, a three week period or something in July, part of August maybe, where I'm not doing podcast interviews and I don't have to do anything besides you know, PNR or Content Inc. Can I just so, so you should be happy though. I did I did mention that I was going to keep doing the podcast. I thought about it. Maybe uh, taking a break. Oh, but. that's that's supposed to make me happy. <laughs> is that what your the assumption is? We should is that that makes me happy. Uh, yeah. Seriously, I mean, we have wonderful listeners. They know they've been through this whole thing. If we decided to take, let's just say August off. Would stop. it affect anything? Yeah, stop right there. Because, yes, of course. I I just had a conversation today with a wonderful one of our wonderful listeners who was like, who was listening to our last episode, didn't know it was our last episode, in the gym, whatever that now five years ago, six years yeah. ago. 
and was listening to our and said and literally had an emotional moment in the gym because heard it was our last episode, stopped the podcast and then went home and listened to the, listened to the last episode at home, which, I, you know, I, I, it's a little over the top, but considering it's us. But at the same time, uh, I, yeah. Uh, don't don't even make those threats idly, my friend. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm the, the, you know, it was funny. We're not going anywhere. We did. We we did. Uh, we, as you know, you were one of the wonderful donors. We had a, our hundred holes of golf marathon. Uh, it was this Monday or last Monday, and it was great. We raised forty seven thousand yes. dollars, and it was it's our biggest fundraiser. And we had twenty eight people out there golfing a hundred holes and perfect weather, and everything was great. One of the people that goes to that event is one of our devout listeners and i won't i won't call him out but we had a really great conversation and he said it's very hard for any for him to find anyone that's really covering media marketing the way that we cover it now i think that was a compliment but but (laughs) is there really i love that i don't know if i don't know if anybody really covers the cross section of, of media marketing and digital content the way we do so i guess that's a good thing but but he says he's looked all over the place and tried to find other podcasts and started and stopped and just couldn't find one that covers the industry like we do. So I was like, thank you so much. I appreciate yeah, well, that. We will not stop yeah. the podcast again. So. Yeah. There you go. Well, maybe we should do that. Maybe we should shift into actually doing our job here and actually get to our show. What do you think? Um, if we must. Well, like we talked about before, but yeah. we're already talking to each other. It might as well be a podcast. So let's it, just. It go. might as well be a podcast. <laughs> All right, we've got a great show. Uh, we've got a really fun show, um, and of course, because it's uh, well, it's it's like every other week. Um, it's time to make some donuts and talk about AI, and we will talk about AI and the current content copyright that's going on with not only the Hollywood writers' strike, but also Sam Altman from OpenAI testifying in Congress. Um, we also have new technology that may solve or actually make complications to the copyright on AI-generated content. Then we'll talk about podcast. Podcasting ad revenue, uh, which is a strange topic for us because, uh, by the way, if any of you are interested in advertising, we are open for business. Um, And podcasting ad revenue, how it's beginning to outpace the total digital market. And then we'll talk about Google and if their new announcement that came from their developers conference last week about turning the online publishing industry upside down with their new AI-oriented chat, uh, uh, sort of GPT-like search results will really cause a lot of trouble. And then if we've got time, guess what? Forbes has been acquired. I don't know. This is the ninth or tenth or four hundredth time it's been acquired. I think it, it, they have yes, a Forbes was they have acquired. a calendar reminder set up every six months. They do. They do. Time yeah, to go. It's a recurring, to it's a recurring calendar item. Yes. Yeah. Time to sell again. Um, anyway, uh, then we'll get into our regular Q&A. We've got a wonderful question uh, from listener Robert Riggs, who we'll talk about a little later. And then we'll get to our rants and raves, where I have a commentary on a new announcement from Dot Dash Meredith, the big publisher, on their intent-based ad targeting tool. And Joe, yeah, he's going to talk about, here's the tease, a daily Dracula. So yeah. love that. Um, love that. Yeah. By the way, everybody should know, oh. Our, oh, we're dear. recording this in the afternoon, and whenever you and I record in the afternoon, it is a totally different experience. We get punchy. It That is true. It gets punchy. Last gets episode, punchy you're quickly. like, are you still awake? Okay. Like, what's going on? 
but this yeah. one I'm wondering. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what do you got? Let's start. I got. Let's start with the the courtesy of Deadline here. The headline is OpenAI CEO Sam Altman says content owners need to get significant upside benefit from new technology. OpenAI CEO Sam Altman told lawmakers as he testified at Congress that the right thing to do, as he said, is make sure that content owners get significant upside benefit from artificial intelligence technology that has raised new concerns over copyright and compensation. At the Senate subcommittee hearing on Tuesday, Altman was questioned by some lawmakers over the use of copyrighted material to train OpenAI's ChatGPT to generate new works. The use of AI is an issue with the Writers Guild of America, and which is now striking against the studios currently here in Hollywood. Uh, and content creators in general have raised concerns over what the technology means for protection of their intellectual property. The article there goes on to talk about uh, how you know how some of the senators use their time and you know reclaiming their time. They always seem to be reclaiming their time as they reclaim their time to talk about all the things that are wrong. I'm going to put on my best uh, Catherine Hepburn That's what voice. I, yeah, again. I got it. Right I away. declare yeah. it's it's so so hard. Um, and anyway, uh, we'll link this with a couple of paired news stories here, one from NewScientist.com that really explains, uh, or at least attempts to explain, why the use of AI is a major sticking point in the ongoing uh, writers, the WGA, the Writers Guild of America, strike here in Hollywood. Uh, and they're talking about why they think they may get replaced or how content may be used to replace all the wonderful, talented things that they do. And finally, what we'll link to, and we'll, then we'll have a little discussion about this, is an article from Inma.org, uh, which is basically talking about how a new uh, technology here may actually help, with at least with music. It says, current copyright battle over generative AI in music is a good test for media. And that article talks a little bit about how this new technology is called Content ID, and it's about a powerful display of technology, as the article says, turning around something that should have been dragged young new YouTube straight into court and instead turn it into a money-making machine for a creative industry. Basically, the technology, uh, which we can explain a little bit if we get that far, really gets into the idea of how the technology could start to help content creators identify where they have been uh, used as part of an AI uh, engine to you know duplicate their songs, duplicate their voice, and all those kinds of things. So what do you what do you make of all this stuff? I mean, it's been the week of seemingly to be about AI content, copyright, ownership, all that stuff. What do you think? I have I do surprisingly, Robert. I have a couple takes. I'm going to give you the first one. I thought you might, but so I wanted to run this by you. This is ex so I read the article on uh, Sam Altman and. It, it seems, and I was like, what are the reviews? Like, what what's everybody think of Sam's performance in front of Congress? It seems to be everyone loves Sam. And Congress fell in love with Sam because Sam gets out there and says, Congress, we need you to regulate this. Like, we, we absolutely sure. need your help. And so Congress is like, yes, look, he's coming to us for help. And this is, so I, I read a couple of these articles. This is what I thought of. See, see if you follow along. I thought of the movie Clear and Present Danger. You remember this movie with Harrison Ford? You know what I'm talking about? Of course, yeah, absolutely. So you know the scene, don't stand there and yell at me, bark at me like a junkyard dog. <laughs> so you remember anyway, sorry, when, yeah, so you movie. remember when yeah. the, the president, uh, there's the, the drug lord 
that gets in trouble and it's going to be all over the news. And this drug lord or, or whatever yeah. the guy is, he had association ah, yeah. with the is president. Is he a friend of yours? Yeah. 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 So he had an association yep. with the president. And the president's advisor said, oh, we want to distance ourselves as much as possible. We don't, you had nothing to do with it. You didn't know him very yeah. well. And Harrison Ford comes in, his character, says, no, no, no. You were friends. No, you were the best of friends. And said, go, go right. toward it. So it's a non-issue. This is what Sam's done so well. He's come in. And he's just like, oh, no, no, no. I'm not your enemy. I'm here to help you. I want, and he's setting this up so that he can do all his horrible little <laughs> things in the back. <laughs> But they're thinking he's a friend. Now, I I don't know Sam Altman. I've heard great things about him, whatever. But I whoever is advising him is amazing because he got five-star reviews all across because he just he said he wants to be an enabler of peace in the next generation of the 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 future, you know, war of the worlds that we're going to see here. Do do you do you follow me here? Yeah. Does, am I making sense? Am I totally off base? Hundred percent. I, I, I. Yeah. No. No. I absolutely one hundred percent agree. And as I read this story and have been following it a bit, I think you're exactly on point. I think that's the. I mean, it, we have. I don't know how many countless stories we've talked about here where tech executives go up on Capitol Hill, and the story coming out of it is either how you know stupid the and uninformed the congress critters are uh when it comes to technology or how combative it was because they're trying to justify their position on something how many times zuckerberg has gone up there how many times you know you know and so what sam altman did that was so brilliant but so simple and so like you know why haven't everybody done this is he he walked in and said yeah it's a problem Go for it. I'm here to help. You know, what are you going to do? And he basically has said, you need to get smart on this. And I'm not here to, uh, you know, I'm here to help you be smarter on this. And, but really what we're saying is you need to, you need to, you need to take action. We're not here to fight it. We're not here to uh, combat you. We're not here to disagree with you. The industry definitely needs to be regulated. So what are you going to do about it? Which basically takes away all of the, it didn't stop them, by the way. There was many of them that sort of felt the compelled need to sort of reclaim their time and give a speech. Um, But what it really did was suck all the air out of the room for them to basically make a stump speech about how this is awful and it's going to do this thing and they need to do this thing, you know, whatever it is, right? Because he just basically said, I'm, the time for that is not now. We just need to do something, right? And I think it's brilliant. It's a brilliant PR strategy. It's a brilliant uh, content strategy, to be honest. And I think he's earnest about it. I think he's truly earnest about it. His his that he is really because I've heard him talk before about you know uh, that they've made a lot of mistakes and that the discussions the the reason that they have gone as far as they have with people saying, oh, you went too far too fast, and and his position on that is, well, we went this far so that it would actually trigger the discussion, so that it wouldn't feel like we're trying to softball or, or sandbag anything, you know, with regard to the technology and where we actually are with it. So it's sort of like, open it up, 
see what it's there. By the way, make a lot of money doing it. Uh, and then basically say, okay, the the world is now opened up. What are we going to do about it? So, yeah, I think it's I, I think and I think it goes to and why it's so relatable to the two other stories because uh, you know what the writers uh, the WGA are really 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 concerned about um, is that AI and ChatGPT type solutions are not going to replace them in writing but they're going to replace them in generating story ideas uh, and how they want to create the they want to have the union ability to, for basically the the you know if uh, to have some sort of they're, what they're asking for is some sort of safeguards and guardrails on that from the from the production companies, which of course is a ridiculous request at its face because just like we've talked about so many times before, you don't know where the idea comes from, and the idea could come from you, it could come from JGPT, and unless you report it, nobody's going to know the wiser. But it's also, I think, a little unfounded. I think it's just an unfounded fear. However, what I think the writers are right about is that the discussion needs to happen. We need to have the discussion sure. because it will ultimately get to a point where you have that. So as a discussion point, it's great. I don't think, if when I, from what I've read of the actual submissions by the writers, the WGA, and the demands that they're asking for, that's kind of all they're asking for is that they that there's a discussion about it. This, by the way, this the 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 you know the AI thing is very newsworthy, but it's the lowest on the uh, on the on the items that they care about. Right? There are so many other things that the writers care about right now in terms of pay, in terms of representation in the room. It wasn't in initially terms of how a thing. Long yeah, they get they, paid? They threw it. This it was this, not. This happened along the way as they were striking. This gets news. Yeah, yeah. This gets news, right? This gets covered, and so you know. Whereas you know, you know, specifying the number of writers that have to be paid in a room on a particular show and the timelines of the actual workflow and all the details that they really care about that doesn't get covered in the news. What gets covered is the idea that they want to replace them with robots. Yeah. So yeah, that's so all these things together, I think, are just great elements of a discussion that is good that it's happening. It's all good that it's happening. Yeah, I don't know. Look, it's going to get more and more complicated. Shoot, I've, I've been watching some of the Ed Sheeran stuff where he's been accused of lifting all these songs and he comes back and he's fine. Every time he doesn't, you know, they, they find no, no fault at all. It's, it's, it's funny. He's like, sure. The guy, I, I saw the one part where the uh, person asked him, it's like, you, how did you write that in 30 minutes? It's like, you couldn't have been, it couldn't have happened. He's like, you're telling me I've been a musician for my whole life and I couldn't come up with a song in 30 minutes from all that work? It's like, could you, could you do something and could you uh, uh, take a case and successfully defend it from all the knowledge you've had in your 20 years? And so it, it just goes back and forth and it's crazy. The one thing I wanted to talk with you about, oh. which I think is interesting, is for online content, content creation, would it be possible, I mean, my vision of what this could be is if you created an article, like the articles we're looking at are new articles from these particular uh, branded sites. If they have some, I don't know if it's on the blockchain or whatever, but it's sort of your packet and this is your creator token that you'd have that if it goes into gener a generative AI solution and for whatever reason, AI pings that as part of the source, could ultimately you get paid on that as a royalty like 
So if it goes out and you have one search that happens and it's like, oh, okay, it goes out, whatever, and there's a, it hits a thousand different sources for that and it creates something new. If you tagged it in a proper way, could you get royalties ultimately? And I'm talking years from now, but that's where I think that's where I think we're going for digital content. Do you think that's a thing? Well, I think it. Well, it, I don't know. I don't know. I think what is interesting in that discussion, this gets to some of the uh, licensing slash identification that I've read a little bit about on how they're trying to determine what is deep faked or or copied via AI versus created original. And as I understand it, one of the most interesting things about that, the way the, the work that's being done in that space is what they're not trying to do is develop ways to detect fake content. Like in other words, to detect deep fakes yeah. or to de- detect you know AI generated content because Ultimately, that's an arms race, right? You know, the, the technology gets better for the AI to create original. It uh, Then you create something that can detect AI-generated content and so on and so forth. And by the way, it's weird. Uh, I'm starting to notice a pattern, just generally speaking, and maybe this is confirmation bias on my part, but when I see ChatGPT come back with stuff, I can now kind of tell. I can, you know, it's like you can just sort of tell when it's i don't know what it is but maybe that's i can just, tell again, in my linkedin comments bias there i get i get two or three totally you know and so i had i went up the other day we were talking about the return of print and there were a couple on there what i'm reading i'm like that sounds like a chat gpt response i almost can guarantee it that's right it's going yeah. on people are doing that anyway here, here's yeah. the post what and I'll I, actually, here's the post I'll, from joe how should i respond in a thoughtful manner Boom. right there you go that's right yeah and I and I'll talk a little bit about that later when we get to Google. But but um, uh, the interesting thing to me is what they're trying to do instead of the, on the security thing is to how do you certify human created content? And we talked about a little bit about this on the show a few weeks ago. Where what they're going to do is develop technology or thinking about developing technology where there is something embedded in the original, like that's visible to the human eye. That shows you, ah, this is certified human. Like the person creating this certified this as a as a human created function. And if you don't see that, that's when you know that it could be faked or it could be something uh, that is that it's sort of like a digital certificate that says this was created by a human. So if you don't see that, you can't be sure. Yeah, so it may have been created so you're by gonna human have, or it may not. So you're gonna have so, like muggle content out there and pure blood content, is what you're saying. Uh, right? Yeah, I'm not a. I don't. I, I, well, it, it's something like that. It's like here's the human yeah, content okay. certification. Here's the human slash robot content, and here's the pure robot content, and that's how that's how the Terminator happens. Serious? Okay. You went you went from Harry Potter to to Terminator <laughs> like really fast there. Like, the, yeah, it's just I. Okay. I, I right. really, I really do That's think these cue. things are going. I, I mean, I don't want to be negative about it, and I don't know if it's a negative or a positive thing, but I do think there's going to be a, hey, we we don't want anything on the site. It's all human created. We don't use any AI tools, and then you're going to have a whole another site that's all AI created, and you're going to have then most of everything in between is going to be kind of a, a mash between the two. In the next, I think you're months. not going to. Yeah, I. 
Uh, agreed. I just think it's going to be even messier than that. I think you're just going to get to a point where good content is good content and you're not going to care, right? It's just going to get to a point where, you know, it, you, you've got good content and you've got not good content. And, and it, n- n- really, if it's great content and it comes from a trusted source, you just, it doesn't matter. It's 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 all it's all good. Well, that's right? that's and, and yeah. I had a can argue, I had yeah. a conversation with a uh, with an artist recently about this, and we were. T- I mean, art is art, and if it if it evokes some kind of emotional feel, does the person that's engaging in that piece of art care? Maybe they do. They do. I think they. they well, they. Well, here's what they care about. They care. So, I saw this. I had this question in my Facebook feed as well, which is, if the if if a piece of art creates the same feeling of emotion or creates the same level of engagement, does it matter whether it was AI created or created by an artist? And my answer to that is no. But you have to then assume that no value is infused by the creator itself. In other words, you have to assume that the, the that part of the value and the resonance that someone has with a piece of art has nothing to do with the artist, which I don't believe, by the way. I believe, in other words, if Stephen King writes a book and a novel and it comes out that much of it was written by AI, I don't care. If it was a good book, I don't care that it was written by AI because Stephen King used that tool in order to give me a Stephen King piece of work. If I see that a great artist that I love and that I resonate with that creates art has used uh, AI to create a piece of art, is that okay? Or a piece of music? As long as I, because for me, the artist infuses into the work. If you show me two pieces of art and I evoke, you know, if I have the same uh, evoke of emotion and you tell me one was created by a human, one was created by AI, I don't care. It doesn't matter. I don't have a tie to the artist in that particular point. And so I probably won't resonate nearly as much with that until I see the rest of that artist's work. So if you then show me a bunch of stuff that was created by the AI and a bunch of stuff that was created by a human, chances are I'm going to resonate more with the human because there's a story there, there's, there's, there's ideas there, yeah. there are emotions there that that artist has. They infuse themselves into the work, and that, I think, is the differentiator. That, well, th- we talked about this a couple weeks ago. That's the difference. Because having this, whatever you want to call it, brand, the content brand, the relationship you have with your audience, that's the differentiator. Because the content right. itself is going to be the same. There, the, in, the, in the next, it could be weeks, somebody, somebody can say, hey, I want, I want this whole thing written in the style of Robert Rose or Joe Polizzi. They will make it happen and will be exactly like what we would do. And I had a conversation today with somebody and said they were they're pro AI and they're showing me all the tools and I'm amazed by the content that's coming out. It's like this, that, and whatever. It was a, but you got to throw in the human touch because you know it's you always got to add that human feel and so you got to edit it and go with it and do your whole thing. That's today. That's only right now because tomorrow it you won't have to do that because it's going to do it itself. So. So what's the differentiation? The differentiation is right now, like, but I mean now, you we have an opportunity where we might not have it in six months to build these brands, to build these connections as human creators. 
Because you could build that, yeah. And maybe I'm maybe I'm talking. Maybe I, think, I don't know what well, I'm talking about because there could be. A, we've already seen Instagram accounts and TikTok accounts that are all robotic. Anyways, they're already AI, and their people have relationships with those, and it tr- gets you to the uh, yes. Joaquin Phoenix her movie, where that comes in, throwing all, all kinds yes. of movies. Well, and and so, and yeah, I know. So one of the things, so going back to what we talked about at my retreat, one of the things that we talked about AI was was sort of two things that provide attention to that exact idea. So one end of that spectrum is we're already starting to see healthcare companies uh, play around with ChatGPT and training models to provide for companionship to people who are lonely and or seniors who are, you know, who are, who are uh, on their own and want to have a chat with someone that's providing and it's very early days on that but there's some really interesting things that are that are going on from a value creation there which are really interesting the second thing which i think is the other end of that spectrum if you will is i think one of the things and this comes directly with sam altman going to congress etc etc i think we have gone from zero to 80 in the development of this very quickly, literally six months, we've 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 come to eighty miles per hour on this thing. I think going from eighty to eighty-one to eighty-two miles per hour is going to take a lot longer. So I think we've seen the immediate evolution of language models get to a point that they are today. And you can argue that they're really strong. You can argue that they're magical. You can argue that they're eh, they're kind of meh. But I think the next level step up is going to take a long time. So I think we're we're at a you know we're on base at the moment, but I think getting home on this kind of stuff is is going to slow considerably over the next 24 to 36 months. I disagree. I think yep. I think right. I think Excellent. we're in in for the next 12 to 18 months we're we're going to be in for some kind of inflection point. And I don't know what that means. And I don't know if it's going to be good or bad. Well, you think basically what you're saying is AGI or or sort of what they call uh, uh, general intelligence, artificial general intelligence. That's what the scholars are all f- afraid of, right? Where AI basically says tells you based on your you know based on the goal you set for it that no, I'm not going to approach it that way. I'm going to approach it this way. That's you know that's the sort of thing that everybody's afraid of. And so you think AGI is coming very quickly and. I would disagree with that. Well, I would think AGI is not coming for some time. I'm talking specifically about not that it's not coming, but it's coming. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking. I, I'm talking specifically about content creation. I think that the test's there. I'm not talking about like the the it it uh, what what do they call it? What what's the what's the book that talks about where AI knows that it's a living thing? We're not that far. Oh, you mean the the Turing? You mean the Turing test? Yeah, the Turing test. So all I'm all I'm talking all I'm talking about is that this whole thing where I've got to put my human touch on this AI content that's a temporary thing, where where this thing in the next few months is just going to roll over us, and we're going to say, "What happened? Wow, we've got to you've got to put your arms around it right now." And there's we 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 should be a little bit concerned. I would be concerned about everybody's content business if we're not thinking hard about this and we've got some kind of a strategy. Well, for it. being concerned and being afraid are two different. Not, not afraid. Not imagine. afraid. Yeah, but concerned for sure. Yeah. Well, of course, we should be concerned about a lot of things. But also, right, big opportunity for those that are are thinking about. Yes. It. So. 
Yeah. Anyways, who knows? What do I know? Oh, I know movie references. Yeah, what do you I know? I know movie what references. Do you know? What do you know? And I can golf 100 holes in one day. The fact day. that you tied Harry Potter to the Terminator is a really <laughs> disturbing. I, for some thing. reason, every time somebody talks about like pure human versus AI generated partial and the you think like the I always muggles, think about the Harry muggles Potter. 4000 or something. I always think yeah. about Harry Potter. A Harry Potter. I do. I think about oh, is it a is it muggle content? Is it pure blood? Con- like, I don't know what's what, but that's what I think about. So anyways. That's that's well, my loss. You do you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We probably All right. Let's move on to another story yeah. here. Let's get out of the AI world for a moment here. And we'll get to a story that comes courtesy of Marketing Dive. Uh, the IAB, which, of course, uh, is the Interactive Advertising Bureau, uh, and PwC have said, dun-dun-dun, podcasting ad revenue growth outpaces the total digital market. Podcasting ad revenue in the U.S. grew 26% year-over-year in 2022 to reach $1.8 billion, according to a new report from the IAB and PwC. That rate of growth far outpaces the total digital ad market, which was up 11% year-over-year. The IAB said the increased macroeconomic pressures have not stymied momentum for podcasts, and the trade group held a sunny outlook for future growth. The report project... Podcasting revenue will more than double by 2025, reaching nearly $4 billion. For the first time since 2018, news programming is no longer the top revenue-generating content. Huh, maybe we should change up our format here, my friend. Um, The channel is now led by sports, society, and culture and comedy programming, pointing to its appeal to a diverse array of consumer interests. Well, arguably... Arguably, we fit all of that, right? We're, oh, we're yeah, sports we're all in. on occasion. We're this is society. We're culture. We're definitely comedy, um, or at least we attempt comedy. No, I, and, I don't know. And, hey, I think, uh, what do you think about all this? Well, hey, I I talked to my sister the other day, who's a musician, and she was like, "What's next for you?" And I said, "I think I'm. I think that Robert and I are going to do marketing the musical. We've talked about it." I think that there's an opportunity. We've talked about that. Yeah, I think that's a thing. Yes. We even wrote, we, you and I wrote a couple we of, uh, we, yeah. 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 It's like, yeah. The don't get Zuckerberg. I don't know what it was. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, we've talked about this for a long time. I, I think that podcasting is, has been severely underfunded for years and years. And of now course, the, the absolutely. difference is, is that you have buyers that now understand how influential podcast hosts are and that that actually changes or maintains behavior significantly that's right because of the intimate nature of audio so it's just it this has nothing to do with and nothing's changed except for the fact that buyers are now aware that oh my god i didn't know i didn't know it was so influential i didn't know that i mean you you and i knew the first year we started a podcast and where everybody was saying, oh, we love the book, uh, Robert. We love the book, Joe. And we love your newsletter. It's great. And then once we started the podcast, 99% was, oh, my God, love the podcast. Completely changed. Yeah. And still been that way. It's still always. To do, <clears throat> I would say 75% of the comments are about the podcast. So for good or yep. bad. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think too, it, it, it speaks to the – you know the the consistency of doing a show that is for many people and i mean this in the nicest way possible for us is background noise you know what i mean it's one of those things where 
it's very hard to, I mean, well, it's impossible really to do a blog post or written content as background noise. You just can't do it. You have to divert your full attention. But I know so many of our listeners, and I personally, the way I listen to podcasts is I'm on a walk, I'm on a drive, I'm traveling, I'm focused on other things, and it's a great companion, right? It's a great companion to, you know, tune in, tune out, tune in, tune out, you know, and you've got somebody, you know, it's a companion really more than anything else. And, it, and, and I think that's really the strength of the format. And as we start to see, and we didn't do a, a show note on this, but we totally could have with uh, the, you know, the, the new, uh, the National Broadcasters uh, Association uh, had their show where they started talking about cars and the changes to what's happening in car radios, where podcasting and audio formats are starting to change even in radio now where it's mostly digital and mostly digital shows where the you know the line blurs very quickly with that with podcasting and so i think the future looks very very bright for audio programming that's digitally delivered and whether you call that a podcast or just a show yep. or you know whatever it is i think um you know i think you've got a lot of room to run and, the, and there's two things you you were talking about multitasking it is the only form of media where you can multitask that's that's it. Hands down. It's a winner every time. Yeah. The second thing is the profitability aspect of it. Generally, you're leveraging other sources, email lists, or maybe other shows that you have, and you can launch a podcast relatively inexpensively today. More than more That's than right. doing, I want to do right. a YouTube channel or I want to uh, do an e-newsletter launch. I mean, there's lots of different... I mean. <laughs> <laughs> what's it cost for us to do this podcast it's our time it's basically our time and plus which is plus really 20 cheap. bucks a month really really folks cheap. so that's it's, right uh, yeah. yeah so anyways you put any kind of ads on top of that you're like wow this is an 80 percent margin this is fascinating yeah yeah and by the way yeah, anyone absolutely. would if anyone does want we we already have uh, Streamyard is a great sponsor of uh, of our wonderful show, but we are looking for other sponsors. So, yes, if you'd like to, yeah, we would like this this article that we're talking about to come true for everyone who has a podcast, including us. Yeah, that's right. That is correct. Is that bagging? That is Does absolutely that correct. That, that was too bad. I, you know, I think I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not above it. I'm, I'm I'm not above begging. I'm I I can be bought very cheaply. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's all it's all. Yeah, good. we're running a summer right. special. Should we cover this summer special? Yeah, yeah. You, get, you get oh you get a, there you yeah. go. I didn't even know. yeah. If you if you sponsor, we'll throw in a bucket of chicken. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like. We should actually do that. We should actually. Oh, do that. Abs- oh no! I'm totally serious. <laughs> if you, whoever sponsors this podcast during the months of June, July, and August, we're gonna we're gonna send you a bucket of chicken as thanks. I I'm a hundred percent behind that promotion. I I'm I am down for that. I I, I want to see the banner ad for oh, that. Yeah. By the way, um, a little side note on this. Did you yeah. know that Dave Thomas, who founded Wendy's, started a Kentucky Fried Chicken? Did you know that? I did know that. Yeah, yeah I, I know, know you. That. You know that. Know that. I bet you, thirty percent of our audience did not know that. I'll bet you more than sixty percent of our audience didn't. Okay. Know that. Well, but let us know. Let us know. We, we need. Right. We need. Are more, we doing this? Uh, we need more are, questions. Are we, uh, yeah. So there you go. 
Are we going to do this story about the uh, about Google and the search results? No, results, we should. We, we should do. We, no, I think we do. The, do this. I'm sorry. Do the story. We need to get the story out there. This is very important. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, it's a good it's a good story, and I do actually have a take on it. So this basically, uh, we have Google. This comes to us courtesy of Yay Forbes that just was sold for the ninth time. Uh, this is the editor's pick story, apparently, and Google is about to turn the online publishing industry upside down, says the story. Google announced a number of new features at its annual developer conference in Mountain View, California on Wednesday, including new writing tools in Gmail, immersive directions in Google Maps, but there was one announcement that did get a lot of attention outside of tech circles, but it's arguably the most radical change the internet has seen since Google became the biggest search engine in the early 2000s. No hyperbole there, of course. Uh, Google demonstrated on Wednesday how it plans to use generative AI in search engine results, a feature that hasn't been rolled out yet to the general public. Basically, they used a demonstration where they went, what's better for a family with kids under three, uh, Bryce Canyon National Park or Arches National Park? So this demo, they do a search and basically says, okay, what's better for us, this national park with a dog and three kids or this national park with a dog and three kids? And the search results come back and it's I guess, kind of impressive. Uh, It comes back with a long sort of maybe couple hundred words of comparisons between the two national parks. Um, And every, I mean, there's so many media outlets reporting this as like, oh, it's the end of publishing. Oh my God, it's the, the, there's a, there's an art, we won't link to it in the show notes because it's ridiculous. But one of the articles from Slate called it deadly. This was going to be a deadly uh, idea. Yeah. I mean, they've really used the word deadly in it. So, uh, Anyway, deadly this to whole who? thing deadly, is about them deadly starting, to to publishers. I, publishers apparently pa- publishers, but they were it was in the headline, so it was like a little, okay. uh, not a little, but basically clickbaity. Anyway, the idea is, is that this search results would come back and it would basically answer questions. And as the quote from the VP of search uh, said in the demonstration, now Google will do the heavy lifting for you. So I definitely have a take on this um, and actually did a little research on that for an article that I wrote for CMI. But I'd love to get your take and then I'll tell you what I think. Uh, I, I think that your take is probably way more accurate than mine. But I've been thinking for a while. I, I think that as more especially goes to voice search. And, and I'm asking Siri or I'm asking Alexa or whatever the case is, I'm not good. They're not never going to give you results. They're just going to tell you it's going to be an a generative AI response and it's going to take everything that's out there and it's going to give you here's what it is. For whatever reason, we're not doing Google's not doing that right now. We're going to head that direction. I think it's we've got a little bit longer on this one, but I. I think that this is probably the way it's going to be. I'm going to type in. I'm not going to see a list of scrolling list of 10, 20, 30 results. I'm going, it's going to give me, based on yeah. everything that's out there, here's your answer. One answer, and you probably ultimately won't see where that's coming from. I don't think yeah. so. Yeah. But do, yeah. do you agree? Well, it, no. I, I do agree to a point. I mean, I, I think... One of the things that I think is really important is, so I, you know, look, it's easy to maybe throw Google under a bus here a little bit, but I don't mean to do that. But what I, what I, I actually took the time, as I'm doing now with all of these demonstrations of generative AI, I actually took the time to read the response, right, to, to read the, the search result that Google came back with. And I'm going to assume for a moment that they actually, A, did a search result, and B, didn't manipulate the results. So 
that both of which may not be true. But taking them at their word that this is the search result that comes back, there's problems with it immediately. It's very impressive on first reading. Like on, you go, oh, that's interesting. But then if you read it again, you can actually start to see, and this gets back to what we talked about earlier in the show, sort of the classic, uh, very classic generative AI response, which is very logical, very well-structured, sentence structure, good spelling, all of that, lots and lots of adjectives. ChatGPT loves its adjectives. Um, and But then very little value. Like the article that it came back with is doesn't, A, it doesn't answer the question, and B, doesn't really provide a distinction between the two national parks. Basically, it says neither park is good for dogs because it basically they ban dogs pretty much from all trails. Uh, but then they go, well, Bryce, though, has some paved trails that you can take your dogs on. Well, I go, look, both the policies, literally, they, they sort of maybe even talk to each other about their policy because their policy is exactly the same. Dogs are not allowed anywhere except on the paved roads. It's just that Bryce Canyon actually has some of their trails bleed into some of the paved roads. So the trail is the same name as the paved road. So technically, you can bring your dog on the paved road that's part of a trail at Bryce that, you know, but I'm sure that's true at Arches as well. And so the same thing, you go read the art, basically they bounce back and forth with saying, well, one is good for this, some say some are good for that, but this good, it doesn't actually ever make a recommendation, it just goes, well, they're kind of both great. And so it, it, I know I'm quibbling with the demonstration of the thing, but that's kind of the point here is to quibble with this, because really... The answer is not a problem with Google, but it's in the content that's actually getting created. And this gets to what you just talked about, which is how do we respond to that? How do we start responding to a world where that kind of search exists? And so if you go to the, the parks, you go look at their website, it's classic, right? They've got all the rules about why dogs aren't allowed at the park. You can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this. Neither of them took any sort of initiative to create a paragraph or an entire page about, here's all the wonderful things you can do with a dog. And so it's going to change, I think, the way that we look at our owned media properties and really start to look at what we aren't creating. What are the things that aren't there that we should be thinking about that we need to be able to create to help us create distinction when people start getting answers from ChatGPT or AI-based search that it will use as its learning model. In other words, we need to be better teachers. We're going to have to be better teachers. And all that really is is how do we be as most useful as we possibly can as marketing and creators? That's the only thing we can do. It's the only thing we can do. You're, how you're are actually, we more useful right. and how do we teach better? You're actually really – I mean, if you haven't answered the basic questions on your own website for – Google and ChatGPT to pull from, you've got a problem, right? You should be doing that. Any question. That's right. I mean, it comes back to, there's a lot of people say, hey, you know, they ask you answer for Marcus Sheridan. No, no, no. That's, it's, we've, right. we've moved beyond that. But in some cases, we haven't. Yes. You have to go ahead and do that. The other thing is, and I know we're, we're way over on this time, but once it ties yeah. in personal preference and we allow it to say, here's my preferences, whether that's Apple or Google, wherever you give the power to say, here's sure. here's here's what I do all the time. You can you can track me, and I want you to come back with the answer that you know me. 
And that that's where the power yeah. is going to be because it, it's not have to go through all the generalities. Of course. They already know that you don't like this on the path and that on not on the path. They they know everything already about you. That's where it's going to be really powerful, and that's close, I think. Yeah, so. I think it's further away, but yes, I, I <laughs> it's do close. think it's that further. Uh, it's you're, close. You're, yeah. You're, yeah, 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 okay. yeah, exactly. All right, quickly, uh, we have a wonderful question that we want to get to uh, from one of our wonderful listeners. His name is Robert Riggs, uh, the great first name, of course. Uh, and let's listen to what Robert had to ask of us. Hello, this is Robert Riggs. I'm a former broadcast TV journalist, now the creator of the True Crime Reporter podcast, and we spin off episodes into streaming television documentaries. And I can tell you the topic of discussion among independents like me at CEX this year and last year, by the way, great conference, is discovery. How do you get discovered to build audience? Uh, independents, we don't have a chance against the big budgets of Amazon who will dump you know $50,000 a month into promoting a new podcast. Love to hear your suggestions. And I can tell you that this is also a problem for the big streaming networks. There's so much out there. So much clutter, so much noise. How do you get discovered? Thanks. Keep doing a great job. Okay. Uh, awesome question. First of all, Robert, amazing radio voice. Oh, my goodness. Goodness gracious, I wish yeah, I had pros, a voice pro. like that. Yeah. Um, so, so what do you think? How, what, what's the, do you have a take on his question about promotion? Like, how do people get discovered? Like, how does, how does someone like this get? We talked a little bit about this on our show about uh, you know, the five things that we love to do about sure. building an audience. But specifically, what do you, do you have well, anything want, to I, offer, you, Robert, on, on I, discovery? I think for the media and the streaming side, you are a little bit more knowledgeable than I am. But maybe you have a different take. I think where a lot of people... No matter what you're building, whether it's the streaming networks or your personal creator, we don't think about the fact that 75% of what we do should not be content creation. It needs to be about promotion and distribution. We need to think about that. So basically, yes. most of what we're doing as content creators is marketing. And I don't, and I think that that's where yes. content creators get into a hole because they start creating content and they don't think about that. So before you create any specific yep. piece of content, you should have a marketing plan for how you're going to distribute that, the partnerships that are going to align with that. And I think there's too many creators that haven't thought about that. So what do you think? Great point. Yeah, it's a great point. Well, it's, it's you know, that and that what lines up with is, you know, the reason I stopped being a, a writer and a musician here in Los Angeles. Because what I discovered was being a writer, a screenwriter, or a musician in Los Angeles, it's not about the writing or the playing of the music. That's, that's what you get to do. The job of being a writer or the job of being a musician in L.A. or Hollywood or wherever you are is marketing, is marketing and sales. And at the time, I was like, I'm the last person I want to market. I don't want to market myself. I don't want to sell myself. But that's the job. The, the fact that you actually get to play music sometimes and write sometimes is just, you know, it's part of the reward, quite frankly. But having said that, on the discovery side, my specific advice, I guess, is one, find a platform. We've talked about this before, right? Finding a platform or platforms, right? So, for example, when I started, uh, it was basically, a, you know, around using my company and the fact that they would send me around and speak at conferences. That was my platform. When I then shifted out on my own, I found Content Marketing Institute in you. You became my platform. And finding that platform that there's already an audience who will then start to aggregate around what you do just puts you at a more frequent at-bat, as it were, for being discovered. Then 
Find your temporary at-bats, right? Find, talk, work with, go write for, go get be a guest on podcasts, go leave a message on some chuckle-headed you know, couple's podcast and promote yourself, <laughs> you know, see what I did there? Um, get, your, get your content out on somebody else's platform so that people start to have more at-bats to find you and get discovered. Um, and then the sort of idea is start to associate yourself with those places. Like, go find out your, uh, where the, the, the audiences that matter, go find out where they are. One of the things that I did when I was uh, creating content for when I was CMO of a small software company is, yes, my team was focused on new customer acquisition, but I was focused on analysts and finding out where analysts went and where the influencers were and people that would talk about us in a way where I could get their audience's attention and be discovered. It's all about how many at-bats can you get in terms of getting to the audiences and, and people who can discover you and do something. And I'll just mention this as an example. This week, Pat McAfee, you know who Pat McAfee is, right? Do you, um, do you watch his show or listen to so. his show at all? Tell me. Pat, Pat McAfee is a punter, former punter for the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Okay. And he started, he started a, uh, he quit the Colts. He resigned after eight seasons. He joins up with Barstool Sports. This is pre-acquisition of Barstool Sports. And he was a podcaster. He basically just contributed and added some stuff. And he found a platform. And then he, that got him enough juice that he said, hey, I'm going to start my own thing. And he started his own sort of YouTube show, and he started his own uh, podcast and, and all of that. And he got a radio show out of that. And he radio, so he found another platform in the radio show with Westwood One that he was now podcasting for. And so now he's got this podcast and his show, and now he starts bringing in sort of his temporary influencers. So he got palsy with aj hawk he get, who of course is palsy with aaron Rodgers. so they were frequent guests on his show that of course gets them their audience he builds into a little bit of a rep about pulling in some you know high pro high profile guests to his show then he gets quote-unquote discovered by fanduel who offers him a 120 million dollar deal with fanduel he literally this week has walked away from that $120 million deal with FanDuel to go do a deal with ESPN. So he's going to have his own ESPN wow, show. that's amazing. And by the way, I think, I, think that's a, I think that's a huge mistake, but there you go, right? It's that idea of finding your at-bats to get discovered by the people that you are. So it's your audience for sure, but it's also the audiences that matter. That might be people in your industry. It might be the acquisitions. It might be somebody at Netflix. It might, you know, whoever it is you're trying to ultimately be acquired by or be discovered by. So, you know, if you're Lana Turner and you're at the drugstore and you're going to get discovered by Hollywood, you got to go to the drugstore a lot. Yeah, and, and that's a great point. The other thing is uh, audio for audio, newsletter for newsletter, blog for blog. I mean, yes. So, exactly. so you know, Robert's got a great podcast. So I'm sure Robert's thinking, okay, well, I want us, I want more great people podcast. to listen to my serial uh, killer show that I've got in fiction. It's or fiction, nonfiction, whatever the case is. I'm going to go on other serial killer shows, or I'm going to get, I'm going to do deals and swaps and all those types of things. Like we want to promote the. We've had some really good success with the Tilt newsletter recently because we're promoting on other newsletters. <laughs> There's other creators. It's not rocket science. Right. We're just going to where the buyers already are and do the deals. Yes. So, yeah. And I'll offer one sort of orthogonal thought to that, which is also going where your competitors aren't. 
yes, go do all the shows that are related to crime and all of that, but also go to the shows where they're not, right? Where you stand out, where your audiences or your potential audiences are. But, you know, so one of the things that I used to do when I was a CMO is, yes, we would go to all the marketing shows. Yes, we would go to all the technical content shows. Yes, we would go to all the MarTech shows. But we would also go to the industry show for medicine. Or we would go to, you know, because they're the same buyers are there, but they're talking about different things and we would stand out in that crowd and yep. we would get much more business out of those things sometimes. That's that's a good thought. Yeah, I would say that's a secondary. Yep. That's your second. Once yes, you've done totally, the first one, totally second one. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Exactly. Very good. Exactly. Very good. All right. Thank you for the question, Robert. We really, really appreciate more it. And now very, yes. very quickly, let's yes, more questions. Please do send those questions. And it brings up, yes, of course. Our wonderful site, thisoldmarketing.site, where you can leave those wonderful voicemails with the dulcet tones of your voice. Um, you can't compete with Robert Riggs. Let's just be honest. He's got an amazing voice. But we want to hear yours. Hear your voice. Hear what you have to say. Hear your questions. Hear your thoughts. All those things. Go to the site. See the show notes. See everything we've got, the other 375 episodes of this nonsense. And that gets us to, of course our wonderful rants and raves section where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave. And we have, well, you know, two raves today, I think, which oh my is gosh, kind of it's a record. Um, it's a record. Do you, I know. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Talk about uh, Daily Dracula? I, yeah, okay. I'm talking about Dracula. This is from the information, and I love this story. So uh, this is about a gentleman named Matt Kirkland. He had a side project. Um, basically, he took Bram Stoker's Dracula, serialized it in his Substack newsletter called Dracula Dailies. Have he has two hundred sixty-two thousand people signed up for this. So Kirkland's a full-time web designer in Kansas. They say he re- he rewrote a copy of Dracula during the pandemic, and he came up with the idea of republishing the novel, split into one hundred and ten parts, in his newsletter. And basically does this through like May to September time period or whatever every year. This is his third year doing doing it. And um, let's say, oh, May to November, did the whole thing. So started with 40,000 subscribers after the first year. Now it's up to 200,000, whatever. And this per- makes perfect sense. It's such a great content marketing initiative because Kirkland's going to come out with a book around the topic of Dracula. So he's got 260,000 people interested in this whole thing is getting Dracula daily for free. Of course, it's public domain, so there's no copyright issues going on. Has the book coming out, uh, got the deal with Simon and Schuster because he's got the audience, and this is just fantastic. And now there's a bunch of knockoffs doing it uh, for other novels. I think there's some Dickens ones out there that are starting to happen. But it's just an interesting thought, Robert, right? But it's like, hey, I, I don't have the content, but I'm doing this thing around this I wonder if there's free content already available that I could do something creative and and here it is and it's working for him and I just think it's a it's a really original play on repurposing content so something else it's it I mean it's it's such a great example of it's this thing that I teach in the audience development or audience persona building workshop that I do where I talk about the two levers that you can pull right you can pull the sort of niche story um, or, you know packaged in a unique way or you can do the common story packaged in a in a common way and you know it's it's and I got that wrong just now but you get what I mean sort of the yeah. opposites of that and so it's this idea where that content is that Dracula content is available to anybody like anybody in the world anyway. could have used that content 
but he packaged it in such a unique way, that's what makes it compelling. The opposite can also be true, right? Where you can take a very niche piece of content, but not package it particularly uniquely, and you can actually create the same value there. So think about your content and how you can really start to differentiate uh, all the things that you're doing. So it's I, I love that story. So uh, you have a rave as well? Let's hear it. I do have a very quick rave. Uh, it, basically, this is a news item, and we'll, of course, link to it in the show notes. Um, and it's from Axios. But basically, this week, uh, Dash Meredith, which is, of course, now, I've, I didn't even know this, but they are the biggest publisher in the U.S., um, and they have now debuted their own custom-based, what they call an intent-based ad targeting tool. So they have created an entire tool that across all of their web digital media properties, which is very impressive, of course. You know, they've, they've got tons and tons and tons and tons of properties from uh, food magazines to style magazines to all the things that they publish. And basically, it doesn't use cookies uh, and it doesn't use any first-party data. It is all about content consumption and the way that you consume content that starts to use uh, algorithms to then target conglomerated ads to you as you work their content. So it personalizes the content based on your consumption, not based on your personal data. And so the, the level of information here is small, there's not a lot of detail. They've just launched it. I will be very curious to dig into the details here, but this is doing it right. This is the way that it's supposed to be done. And it takes having a lot of content and a lot of ability to process that and connect all those experiences together, all their media properties together to do this well. But assuming this works, this is this is the future, I think, of when we think about the valued advertising uh, and targeted advertising that can really, really work. So I just wanted to bring it up because I, I just think, you know, they're they're very smart people over there at Dot Dash Meredith. They they really get it. And so I was very encouraged when I saw this because here's a publisher making it work where this consortium of, you know, the IAB plus Google plus the ANA plus all these other that are working on sort of this deprecation of the third party cookie, they haven't been able to make it work. But these folks clearly, or at least at this point, have. And I just think it's a fascinating development. It sounds great on paper, right? It's, I mean, I'm reading this article. Sounds yes, exactly, it does. I'm, I'm uh, just yeah. curious to see if it's going to work. It sounds like it will. They're very That's smart. Exactly right. I'm sure they'll make it I have work. Lots of, yeah. I have lots of questions. I have yeah. lots of questions. Like, what's the unique identifier? How do you do multiple sessions? You know, all the questions I'd have, which I will dig into. But, but for now, this looks like a, a fascinating development, and I'm and I'm and I'm I'm glad for them because it's a it's a it's really needed in the industry, and it doesn't surprise me necessarily that they're the ones leading in this space. Awesome, good stuff. All right. Yeah, what do you got? What do you got this week? Uh, you're you're resting from your hundred holes of golf. Yeah, a little bit. So a couple things. Uh, we're, we're we've got all the videos uh, from Creator Economy Expo now available. So anyone who did not get a chance to go, and what's wrong with you? You didn't come, but you didn't make it. Maybe maybe yeah. you, you live in some other part of the world. Go to CEX events. You can get those uh, videos. Uh, some amazing ones. You can see me. You can see Robert. You can see Jesse Cole, Anne Hanley, all kinds of people, and. I am leaving tomorrow uh, for VCon, Gary Vaynerchuk's conference, and I will, I will come be, back with some I'm going to be very curious. Then. Yeah, and then there's, oh, there's I can't wait. Many of oh, our that, friends are going, so 
Um, we'll see how it goes. I'm really curious. Uh, they got the you know ten thousand people are expected. The super conference. Are you gonna so. hustle there, Joe? Are you are you gonna hustle? I'm gonna do are the. Gonna oh, hustle I'm gonna do all to the hustle. Econ? I'm gonna oh. I'm gonna absolutely hustle. Yeah, I'm gonna grind. Go. I'm gonna hustle. You're gonna grind. You're gonna hustle. <laughs> I'm gonna do all the things. It's gonna be great. What do you got going You're on? Gonna man? be all. Uh, I got work to do. I got uh, big time work to do. Uh, just starting a new class that I'm starting to get as a private class that has been. Uh, uh, requisitioned of me, which is lovely, and it's lovely new business, but it's going to be a marketing class, so I'm starting to outline wow. that, and then working with our clients on a couple of deliverables, so super excited about that. And then other than that, enjoying the wonderful Southern California weather, it's summertime has broken here, so getting out and doing some hiking. Awesome. Yes, we're springtime here. It's been 70 and sunny for the last couple of weeks. Ever since Creator nice. Academy Expo left, it's been beautiful weather. Go figure. So, Perfect. what are you going to do? Perfect. Good. All right, folks, that is it for us. We will see you next week. And remember, of course, in the meantime, before we do see you next week, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you this uh, well, we'll see you next week on this old marketing. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.